Hey, you're listening to Chew on That. Here's what we're chewing on today. And just after he finally gives them the green light to cross over into the land, the first thing they encounter is this city and this wall. I can only imagine how inadequate and impatient and intimidated they must have felt, compounded by fatigue and all that they had already endured. It must have seemed hopeless, making them question whether or not God was truly going to bring this journey to completion. But God was about to remind them of something we all need to remember when our circumstances seem hopeless. He will finish it. Hey, hi, welcome to Chew on That, the podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon from the current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And it happens to be the Hopeless series. And it's Pastor Becky, like you like you just heard that uh, when we're talking about how God will um, make it happen. I mean, I already forgot what she said just then. I've already forgotten. So I'm really bad at this. Hey, joining me today is my friend, Laura Stewart. Say hi, Laura. Hello, hello. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. I feel like a lot of people probably know your face, but a lot of people probably don't know who you are. And so maybe could you just tell us a little bit about you? Um, well, I hide behind the keyboard on you Sundays. Totally do. Well, some Sundays. Um, I'm Laura. I am a wife, a mom, a teacher. Um, I was born and raised in central Minnesota. Really? And, yep. I didn't know that. Yep. Huh. I'm not a Vikings fan though. Oh yeah, of no. course. Why would you be? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, I went to college in the twin cities. Um, my husband moved over there while I was in college. We got married super young and, Moved to Green Bay um, to start a family, and that's where we are today. So huh. we've been at Life Church for just about five years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's amazing. Yeah, it's gone so fast. Like, because like before you had kids, then right? Would that yes. Be true? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. And so you said you're a teacher. Are you a teacher, teacher, or like I mean, like like at a place? Like are you officially a teacher? Yes, I'm officially a teacher. So I you're teach. like Mrs. Stewart somewhere. I am Mrs. Stewart. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Where do you <laughs> teach? Can I ask that? Is that a secret? If no, you no, that's fine. I teach in Denmark. I teach oh, fourth grade. Nice. So you are a Vikings fan because okay. Our, Yes, but no. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Hey, did you grow up being a Jesus person? Did you, have you always known Jesus? Yeah. So I kind of a cool story. Um, my, my dad had actually walked away from God Hmm. completely, like turned his back, saw a bunch of hypocrisy in, in the church and just turned his back. And my mom had, was an atheist actually. Um, I was quite a miracle. So really unexpected pregnancy, hoped for pregnancy, but unexpected. And, um, my dad actually, when I was about four was like, you know, we can't raise our kid thinking that they're the center of the universe Mm. and went back to church. And my mom was like, um, I'll only go if the music's good. (laughs) So they actually both like got saved. They walked into an assemblies of God church and Uh got saved. And, um, so yeah, I've been raised by two Jesus people just really wanting to serve and love God my whole life. So yeah, it's been really neat. Super cool. Was Jake AG as well? Um, no, Uh, kind of along that vein, but gotcha. mm -hmm. Gotcha. I understand. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. I love that. So I feel like you do other stuff at church besides just play the keyboards every now and again. I feel like you're involved in a few things, aren't you? Like, don't you do like other things? Not really. really? I, Are you sure? Cause I feel like I see you everywhere in this building, like not just behind <laughs> the keyboards, but maybe you're just getting your kids all the time. I, I mean, I do have 
of one and a three-year-old. So yeah. I, I am chasing my kids all Maybe the time, but no, I I'm involved in the worship team and Jake is too. So we're kind of around cool. here a lot. I was just talking last night. Um, and we had church last night downtown and the, the, the worship video that we showed was a song. I never know any of the names of the songs, but it was Jake leading the song. Yeah. So I got up and I talked about how I like it when Jake's leading, because he always sings it in a key that I can sing in. That <laughs> when, you go. when Jonathan sings, like I can never sing in the same key as Jonathan. So then I try to like modulate down a little bit and it never sounds good. Yeah. And so Jake's my favorite anyway. Mine too. Yeah. Well, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel like you're financially and contractually obligated to say that, but I do like him a lot. <laughs> so anyway, let's, uh, let's jump in and listen to that first soundbite. For 400 years, their mentality told them they were slaves, that they were subject to ruled by, marked with, and susceptible to the things that had dominated their past. There were habits, practices, limiting beliefs, life commandments, and perspectives they needed to unlearn. To let them bypass or go around without freeing them completely would be the same as leaving a well-armed enemy at their back. Those thoughts and tendencies, proclivities and predispositions would stand in the way of their receiving, accomplishing, and taking what God was extending to them. Yeah, really good. Here Becky's talking about the Israelites moving into the promised land through Jericho. And like she talked about just before that, she talked about how... Um, like the people of Jericho, like they weren't really prepared to put up a fight. Like it's going to be theirs to win anyway. But then God gave them specific things that they needed to do. Not because that's what needed to get done to defeat Jericho, but because it was a change that needed to happen in the collective psyche of the Israelites, mm -hmm. you know, and how God felt like in order for him to succeed with them, they would have to like hold up their end of the bargain, even if that end of the bargain didn't even make, make sense. And so I feel like for us, we do that. I feel like he does it in my life anyway, a lot where like he needs me to know that I need to rely on him. Like, like, like everything that I am or anything that I can accomplish, I accomplish because of who he is and who he is in me and has nothing to do with my own abilities, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so like, I feel like when I think about the, you know, the Israelites at Jericho, I feel like that's the lesson they were learning is that they can't rely on themselves. That in fact, they need to rely on God to make those kind of things happen. I think. It reminds me a lot of like Romans 12, where it's about renewing your mind. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's what God was doing. And like, I just see the parallels there between what yeah. Paul is saying to the Romans and like what God was doing with the people of Israel. Yeah. Like, you know, we, I've never been like a physical slave, but I mean, the New Testament says that we're all slaves to sin and right. like God salvation happens, but then like, it doesn't just stop. Like we have to keep yeah. working out our salvation yes. and digging into God's word and renewing our minds. And, you know, God was doing that with the Israelites too. And, um, what does that look like for you? Like, what does that look like? Um, like in real life application, what does a renewed mind look like in your, in your experience? Um, being intentional, I guess with what I do and what I put into my mind and what I say and what I think, um, choosing to, choosing to do life God's way instead of my way. Um, I like the past year I've been, I started reading, um, I think it's called get out of my mind, get out of your, get out of your head by Jenny Allen. Oh. Um, and it's about like controlling, taking captive the thoughts in your mind. Um, and renewing your mind, like Christ tells us to. And a lot of it is like 
I have a choice. Like I have a choice of what I think of and I have a choice of what I read and I have a choice yeah. of how I spend my time. Um, so a lot of it is, you know, if, if I see that there's something in my life, that's not what God wants it to be. Yeah. then I have to do something about it. Yeah. No, so I love that putting the right things in my mind has been a big deal for me, especially like the last year when we've been, there's so much fear. Yep choosing what goes into your mind and choosing what thoughts you think and yeah. being able to say, no, I'm, I, I can't listen to that right now. Or no, I need, I need to stop looking at this. Or, um, you know, I, I have a choice of what I think I have a choice to be afraid or I have a choice to be at peace. And when I'm afraid, what am I going to do with it? Like, am I, am I going to let it grow or am yeah. I going to go to God's word and meditate on his truth? Cause in the end, that's, the only thing that lasts. Mm. Yeah. So good, man. Laura's super smart. I'm glad she's on the <laughs> show. But as soon as you said renewed mind, mm -hmm. it reminded me of a video that's on YouTube. Um, it's like this, uh, it's like this, this worship group singing. And this is just a little bit of, I just wanted to share this with you. Honestly, you've got to go find this on YouTube right now. Just listen to the chorus. Here it comes. It's coming. Okay, that's enough of that. But really, it's worth going to find because the dance moves for this, the renewed mind is the key, is uh, worth the price of admission. I was going to say, people really missed out with the little dance moves. Yep. I was dancing, it, I know, because mm -hmm. it's this guy and it's... <laughs> It is fantastic. It's like he's the pastor's kid. And so his dad said he could do whatever he wanted. And so he got these two chicks to sing this song with him. Because in the middle of this, he starts breakdancing. Like literally, yes. like the thing where he like moves <laughs> his head this way, like that. It's anyway, it's on YouTube. The renewed mind. The renewed mind is the key. So you can always go find that because it's uh, it's really good. I feel like bad that I went and did that after you said such poignant things, but like that's all I could think about while you were talking. Let's jump into the next sound bite. First, they needed to see his covenant. In order to get their eyes off the problem, they needed to remember the promise, which is why he instructed them to place the ark at the center of the battle. Whatever you fix your eyes on and give your attention to is what you are in agreement with, because you've given authority to it. If they kept their eyes on the problem, it would continue to grow in their heart and their mind and snowball as it built upon the traumas of their past. I don't know if Becky was like on a word count for this message, but like in this, on, the, on the video version of her message, like she's like going a million miles an hour. She's oh, yeah. uh, like Joe Azuzu. But anyway, I love this thing though about like what our focal point is and like what we need mm -hmm. to focus on because, you know, in these instructions, he was telling them to take the most important thing that you have, which is me, and keep that in the middle of you and keep your eyes on this thing. Like don't get distracted by like how big you think the enemy is or how tall you think the walls are or anything else, because that's not what's important. What's important is you keep your eyes on me and that together we'll see it through. And so, mm -hmm. again, I feel like that's something in our lives that we can just apply that all the time, because if we put ourselves in the middle and just keep our focus on us, that's not going to go very well. And if we no. keep looking at our problems, although that's something, it reminds me of a message a few weeks ago, Sean was talking about, or maybe it was that other guy, Tim Bowles. Maybe he was talking about it where he was talking about how Elijah, Elijah, I'd Elijah, Elijah, yeah. right? Where like one of his like little guys, his like attendants was like, oh my gosh, there's an enemy everywhere. We're never going to make it out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so then like Elijah Sha. Sha said that Sha, that's <laughs> actually from uh, something. 
I don't know what it's from. I don't know if that's from. Anyway, it's not important. I'm really distracted today. Sorry, right. I only know this because I legit like was reading this last week. Ah, so gotcha. Okay, I had to look it up. Gotcha. So. Anyway, so Elijah says, "God, please give my little friend like the vision to see." what you're doing. And so he like this guy put on some wobble goggles or something. And like, he could see God's army surrounding the enemy's army and how like, they're the ones that should be afraid right now. Right. And I feel like the same thing is true in this verse that Becky's teaching us that we can't get caught up in how big the army looks that because then we'll just, we're looking at the mountain and not at the step. And so we sometimes we just have to take the step that's right in front of us. And that's the one that we can accomplish. And I feel like in my life, like that's been the rule most of the time, like I would get overwhelmed by the mountain and just not do anything because like, there's mm -hmm. no way I'm going to climb a mountain. Like, screw that. Like, forget it. But if I could just say, I just need to get this next step in, then that's fine. And I feel like that's kind of what they did by focusing on the covenant, the Ark of the covenant and, and marching around that way. They weren't focused on the trouble. They were just focused on the next step. I think. Yeah. And I, I was also thinking about that too. Like they're walking around the city and yes, they have the Ark of the covenant in front of them they also have this big wall next to them and they have to like literally make a choice. What am I going to look at? Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, and I, I don't know if you, I think of the VeggieTales version of this. Okay. <laughs> Where I don't know if you've seen it, but like they've got the big walls and then they have the little like peas that are sitting yep, on top. The French peas. Yep. And which is a, an illusion, not an illusion. It alludes to uh Monty Python and the Holy Grail because oh. there was like two Frenchmen at the top of the tower there and they, they spoke French. And so anyway, it was Fun like facts. a call out to that. Anyway, yeah, so the French peas. <laughs> but anyway, and I don't know, the, like this isn't in scripture, but I can't imagine that like it was just this silent desert that they're walking through. Right. Like I can imagine they're hearing the city. They're hearing like people inside. There yep. might've been like guards on top watching yep, them, sure. maybe yelling at them. I don't know if they're throwing things. Yep. Maybe that's VeggieTales coming in there. Yeah, but, but you'd think it would be a thing. Right. And so, I mean, they have to like make an active, like second by second choice of like, what am I going to look at? And I don't know. I wonder what it looked like. Sorry, this is kind of a rabbit trail. But, but I feel like, like this is what Becky said though. Like she tries mm -hmm. to imagine these things as though she's right. watching a movie of it. Cause some of us are visual people. Like I need yeah. to imagine that. Like, I just don't want to read about it in the Bible because like sometimes that doesn't have a mm -hmm. thing for me. Like, I feel like if you ask me about a book that I read, I'll always tell you about the pictures that it painted in my head, not about right. the words that I digested. Well, that's why yeah. you read. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like it's the same way, right? So I feel like it's okay to fill those blanks in. So while the scripture didn't say anything about them throwing rocks or insults down, I feel like I'm sure that that happened. Yeah. Right. Right. So. Well, and it, they just had to be that much more intentional about their focus of like, what am I going to focus on God's promise, like his covenant or not? And I also like a couple chapters before they had just crossed over the Jordan river and like they had the Ark of the Covenant had gone into the river and sat there and it like held back the river. And so like, I can imagine that they're probably thinking about that too. Like, all right, God, you did this whole river thing. Yeah. Like, are you going to do this wall thing? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And almost like, I, I think Becky gets this, but like building their faith one step at a time yeah. as they go and go and go. Yeah. And I mean, that's, Dave Ramsey has been big in our house lately. Mm. Like we're trying to get stuff together sure. and, um, you know, just getting our priorities straight. And like one thing that he says is your focus, what you focus on, you accomplish, like whether it's money, whether it's your thoughts, whether it's your job, your relationships, yep. like you go after it with focus and you get stuff done. Right. Um, yeah. and so yeah, they, they had to really like refocus, not on the wall, but 
like on, on God. Yeah. No, that's good. That's really, really good. By the way, one of the insults from Monty Python from the French soldiers was, uh, you empty headed animal food trough wiper. Your mother was a hamster and your father smelled of elderberries. Fantastic. Yeah. It's really, really good. It's a funny movie. I watched it once. Did you? But I think I fell asleep. Oh, must have been. No, we I can't was, be friends, Laura. I was the kid at youth group who they would play like a movie at the lock-in and I would fall asleep <laughs> at like one o'clock in the morning. So That's funny. Lock-ins. That's a funny thing. Yeah. Like I, We don't do lock-ins here. I can't right. even imagine what that would look like. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a small church. Yeah. <laughs> Second. They needed to see his consistency. Why seven times? Why seven days? Why seven? The number seven reminded the people that God is consistent. It was a reminder of creation that he finished in seven days, declaring that he is a creator and nothing is impossible for him. If he could do that, then he could certainly do this. Second, it was a reference to what God had told Moses long before they were facing Jericho, that he would bring the people into a land they would possess and drive out seven nations larger and stronger than you. Large cities that have walls up to the sky. That's specific. That's consistent. Yeah, uh, I love, I don't know that this is numerology, like, but just like the study of numbers in the Bible. So not like, like I, there's magic in numbers, but right. I love the significance of numbers mm -hmm. and like how the Bible uses that and how the writers use that and how, like when Jesus talked about how you should forgive your neighbor 70 times seven, like, because the guy asked like, how many times am I supposed to forgive this guy? Seven, which was again, to the point is like, that's everything. That's all of it. That's seven is eternity. Seven's everything. And so then Jesus is like, no, not seven, like 70 times seven, which was a number probably incalculable to them, right? Like, oh my, like, I don't even know if they got to 490. I don't know how they did it. But like, I just feel like I love that idea because I feel like in our faith, sometimes we try to put those kind of like time limits or parameters on God in our faith. Like we, we want one thing accomplished. I just need help with this one project, not really a project, but I need, you know, I got to get out of debt or I have to find the right girl or I have to get the right job or I have to, you know, something like we just give them like these little projects. And when the project is done, like our faith thing is over. Like we're, Oh, we're good. Like, Oh, I'm, I have cancer. Please help me get through the cancer. Right. And so then God does. And like, I can see where there's a lot of people that just like, okay, well, good job, God. Talk to you later. Right. You know, where he's like, he's a, he's the constant. He's everything. It's not something that we visit once every seven days. It's not something that we visit only when we need his help. It's a constant. It should just always be in our lives. You know, and I just, until I got over that, I don't know that I really had a walk. I feel like I was just playing at church, playing, even though, even when I was in leadership, I was just playing at it. Like, this is just what I did on Sundays. Right. On Saturdays, I do this thing. On Sundays, I do this thing, you know? And I, like, it's got to be an all the time thing. It's got to be like a sevens thing. Right. For sure. And that can be really hard because it takes intentionality. Like, I know I keep saying that word, but like, you have to decide that this is what you're going to do, yeah. regardless of how things look. Like, regardless of if it's day six and you're walking around the walls and nothing has happened. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's harder for me when you're watching somebody else go through something and like you have to trust God with someone that you love. Say more words. 
it's one thing with like yourself. But like, I've watched my mom be really sick. Like she couldn't walk across my house, our house. And to be able to be like, okay, God, you said you'd heal. You still said you'd heal. You're going to do that? Okay. All right. How about now? Yeah. I'm ready now. Right. But that's not, that's not what God calls us to. No. But that's a hard, I mean, it's hard to like, because we see it as like a, an exchange. Like, hey, look at how I've been living my right. life for you. Look at all the, you know how many hours I'm practicing this stupid worship music? Do you know how? <laughs> Much like I'm losing my husband to like his church obligations and every like, yeah, you can't just give me a little bit back. Like, what right. would it take you to make my mom well? It would take you nothing right now. Right. Like, it's easy to look at it like that. Like, I feel like so many of us do that. I do that all the time. Right. Like, you know, what's up, bro? Like, why that? Right. You but know? it's, it's a constant choice. Like it's, it's choosing to put your eyes on God and say, Okay. You promised, and I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, I don't know, do you know Tara Verheg? Do you know her very well? Nope. You should. She's someone that everyone should know. And so she, um, like this really sweet mom, and then she had some kind of cancer. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like she didn't deserve it, right? It's not like she got it because she was chewing tobacco or something. I don't know how you get cancer, but she just got it, right? Yeah. And she fought through it and she won. And then she got pregnant with her second child and she got pregnant. I mean, she got cancer again, like in something, somehow it affected like her pregnancy. It was something mm -hmm. natal, something, something. And yeah. so, and I watched her and I was like waiting for her just to, you know, fall apart and collapse because I mean, like I would have, I would have for sure. And like, she was like a, a rock for everyone around her. And sh she was like, I know God's got this. And so it's not my job to say what it's supposed to look like. Like I can't have faith if I'm not going to believe that he's going to make it right. And so whatever plan he has is a perfect mm -hmm. plan. So if that, if there's a cost in that for me, then I'm willing to pay that. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do you land there? Because I would be right. You know, take this port out of me. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to keep right. on anymore. I don't want to be exhausted anymore. I don't know. I just, so I feel like, you know, like you just talked about this thing with your mom and, I just, sometimes people think that Christians will attest to a faith until they're challenged and then give up on their faith. And I think that there's plenty that do, but the real faith is just trusting that God's going to work this all out. Like, I, I think that he hurts when we hurt. I think that it breaks his heart for your mom. Like, I'm sure of it. Like, I'm sure that he's like, oh my gosh, this is just the worst. But he sees like this big giant or picture, like somehow something right. makes sense that your mom can't make it from one side of your house to the other side of the house. Some reason that's going to mean something to somebody, you know, like the but butterfly theory or whatever. That oh, is, yeah. right? Like where the a butterfly flaps its wings in Asia and it causes a tidal wave and I don't know, something. But like, we don't have our eyes on that. There's no way we could get our heads around that. Well, I, I remember one time in college, I went to a Christian college and, uh, part of your classes are Bible minor. And so I remember I was in one of my Bible classes and I, I was still dating Jake at the time. And I was so frustrated 
because I we we're talking about the sovereignty of God. Mm. And I was like, like, I was legitimately upset. And I was talking to Jake about this. And I was like, oh, I just, I don't understand why I can't understand the sovereignty of God. And Jake just was like, okay, just, just back up the train <laughs> and just think about the words that you said. Right. Like, like he's God and, and you're not. Yeah. And right. like, like if you could understand this, then he probably wouldn't be God. Yep. So yeah. just, and, yeah, I love you that. have to wrestle with this and you have to go through it and you have to trust. Yeah. And I mean, you, you have to go back and you have to read these stories of Jericho and you have to read these stories of the whole Israelites journey through and, yeah. and Elisha and his friend and, you know, just, and it doesn't always end happy. Like God never promises it's going to end happy, but he promises he'll, he'll be there. Right. And you just have to go with it. Third, he spoke to his thoroughness. The number seven represents perfection, letting them know that he would finish it and leave nothing undone, especially in them. And so every time they took a step, every day that they returned to the small and repetitive act of circling the wall, they were doing the work of bringing down walls inside of them. The science of neuroplasticity says that practicing small acts multiple times is a far more effective way of making lasting change than if experienced once over a long period of time. The more frequently your neurons respond and are invited to the table to see different and be different, and the stronger that signal becomes and the more adept and proficient you become at seeing the solution the next time you're facing a battle. Yeah, neuroplasticity. So I feel like that's something that's never been said in church in the last 150 years or 2000 years for that matter. Like I feel like, but this is a place I feel like we've arrived where we're starting to understand a little bit more about the head part of our faith. <clears throat> like I feel like for the longest time, if you told someone that you were depressed or that you were over anxious or that you were whatever, people would say, well, you need to find a closer walk with Jesus because apparently you're lacking faith because you should just be able to get over that in your head. And so this idea of reprogramming our minds, I feel like is a relatively new thing, but it's, it's no less a, a miracle of God than the fact that, I don't know, like how our organs work or how our, you know, I mean, like our mind is an amazing thing. And to think that that's not part of God's domain, I feel like is, uh, isn't thinking clearly. So for people to say, you should just be able to heal yourself of anxiety, that anxiety is the opposite of faith. And I don't know that that's entirely true any more than cancer is the opposite of faith. Because I mean, you, you don't, you can't faith your way out of cancer. Although I think there's like some like Christian faiths that believe that. Like oh, that I'm are, sure there is. You know, I don't know, like crazy snake handlers or something, but. Well, it is interesting that you go that way with it. Because I go like through my teacher lens with it. Yeah. Talk like, to me about that. I think about like, like that phrase yet. So the idea of like a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Mm. So there've been tons of studies um, where like even high performing students who like get everything, when you tell them like affirmations, like good job, they perform lower than if you provide feedback like you worked really hard on this and 
you'll do it next time. And mm. you are always learning and growing. And I, that's kind of where my mind goes sure. of like to the teacher side of like, yeah. my job is literally like to teach kids how to think in new ways. I mean, especially fourth grade, cause they're learning so much more abstract concepts now. Right. And like, I literally get to teach them how to think in a way they've never thought before, which is like super cool to me. And yeah, I could sure. geek out about it for hours, but like, God designed our brains to do that, to learn and grow and respond. And I just, I love it. And I don't know, that's, I think for sure, our faith can't be separate from our head. Like this may sound silly, but nope. like we read with our mind yep. and our eyes and process it with our brains. Like we read God's word that way. Right. Like why would our brain and that goes through our brain into our heart. Like why would God not like, there's not a bypass bypass, which I can like turn on and off. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. I want to go back to something you just said though. You were talking about how there was two different ways. They sounded very similar to me. Like where you said, you could tell a kid that's doing really, mm -hmm. really great that you did great and their grades will go down, but you could tell them you can do better. Like, you worked hard. You worked hard. Mm -hmm. So like focusing things, on the effort versus the outcome. Huh? Yeah. Hmm. Say more words about that. Um, like I, a, I think as like a teacher and a mom, you, you build the narrative that kids hear in their head with the words that you speak to them. And so when you focus on the outcome, it builds their focus on the outcome and they're not always going to be good at everything they try. No, no person is. And so if they're trained to focus on the outcome by everything that you narrate for them, and this isn't just kids, like this is people, then what happens when you lose? What happens when you bomb a quiz? What happens when you drop the ball? What happens when you cause a problem in a friendship? Well, well then you failed. But if you build the narrative of, we try our best, we work hardest, we, we work our hardest, we give our best effort, we seek help when we need it, and we grow, well, then failure's not such a big deal. And I mean, that, that'll preach right there. Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like yeah. as Christians too, I mean, you can translate that to all sorts of different stuff, like kind of this idea of like, Christy Wright, it's a podcast I listen to a lot. She says, work like it depends on you, but pray like it depends on God. Right. And it's, it's again, that idea of like, God saved us and there's finality in that. But he also calls us to work out our faith yes. and like, we're going to stumble. And if, if we, if we have that like fixed mindset of, I didn't make it. And now we're done. I'm done. Like then like, that's not what God tells us to do. Yeah. I, I love that. Cause I could totally see where a not explored sense of our faith could be results based and not effort based where we could look at it and say, well, okay, I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. I'm all done here. Right. Like where that's, mm -hmm. and that's, you, you keep alluding to working out your salvation. And I feel like that's the effort part of that conversation where it's actually about the effort. Like, 
Like, yeah, your salvation is assured, but what are you doing now with it? Like in growth track, we talk about, um, dismiss, right? The good thief that died on the cross with Jesus and how he didn't have his whole life to live, to work out his salvation, that he just had a chance at salvation. Mm -hmm. So he confessed that Jesus Christ was Lord and the Messiah. And then Jesus said, okay, you get to go to heaven. Well, that's because he was almost dead, but like, we're not almost dead. We've got a whole life to like um, explore the effort and, and work out our salvation. Well, and the cool thing is we have a coach for it too. Like the Holy spirit is in us. Like yeah. when he's there to guide us to, it says to remind us of Jesus words and yeah. to point us in the direction we should go. And so it's not like God is like, okay, cool. Um, now, now figure it out. Yeah, like, good luck. I'll be back in right. a thousand years. Like he gives us a coach. That's not like on the, like he's right there. Like he's in you all right. the time. Right. And, in your pocket. Right. And we, coaches us how to renew our mind and coaches us to, you know, go into God's word and tells us what God means with stuff. So that's pretty cool. Which brings us to the last point, and that's shout. Shout until the wall comes down. And shout means to command attention, to cause to be or stop. The shout didn't bring down the wall, God did that. So if the shout didn't bring down the wall, then the trumpets and the repetition confirmed for me that the battle was within themselves. Parts of our brain only respond to sound stimulation, and a shout would have created a deeply embedded memory having a greater impact that is remembered longer than the words actually spoken. And when we verbalize our faith and speak God's strength and victory in our life with authority, with a shout. It calls on our neurons, our thoughts, our behaviors and actions to change in response to an action toward a realization of what we speak. I feel like as a praise and worship family, this notion of the, the words that we say that go along with our faith, like they carry a lot of weight like whatever she was talking about with neurons and everything else. Cause I, <clears throat> having also came up assemblies of God, we didn't change music as often as like today's church does. Like, I feel like today's church, yeah. like they used to sing a song for like three weeks. Now you're done with that song and you've moved on to the new song, which is how like Mr. Song from Hillsong. Like, I feel like that's how he makes all his money. He just, he's just going to keep cranking out new songs because then anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. We could have some other time, but for me, there are songs that I associate with my early faith songs mm -hmm. that made a difference to me then, like when I sang them with my own mouth and said them with my own lips, that those will bring me to tears. Those will bring me to, you know, an understanding because they were songs that were, that make me, they right. were songs that make mm -hmm. me. And so, you know, what she's talking about shouting and like how the spoken word just means so much, uh, as like an exclamation of what God's been doing on the inside of us. Like it's kind of a release of that or an acknowledgement of that. And so I feel like, when I think about what Becky said there, that's what I think about. I think about worship. I think about, you know, the places that I am where I'm confessing with my lips, what God means to me, the things that I say out loud, not the things that I ruminate on or the things that I think that really when I release that from me and get it out into space or whatever, like that's, that that's a, it's a difference for me. For sure. I, it reminds me of actually the Good Friday recording of 2020. So I was like eight months pregnant and we had recorded the Good Friday service. And that was like right when COVID stuff was like just starting. And we had gone through the recording and it was an awesome, awesome night of worship. And we like 
we're packing up cords. And then it was the announcement that like flights had been shut down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, this is like something's, yeah. something's happening here. Right. Like this is, this is not an everyday thing. Like what's, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like very pregnant. <laughs> and, um, you know, of course I'm thinking of like, okay, so what about, my baby, like all of this stuff and get in the car and go home. And like, this was after this night of like, like two hours of just like worship. And it was like, I felt fear like come in. Mm-hmm. And after I seriously just been like worshiping for two hours yeah. and I had to legitimately like, start singing the songs that I had just played. Mm -hmm. And I had to start like saying scriptures out loud. Like I couldn't just say them in my head. So like, here I am driving down my, driving down the highway, like pitch black, like screaming in my car. Cause like I had to just like, I I literally had to fight through it. Mm -hmm. And, and then it was done. Like, okay. Like God's word wins. We'll be fine. Like, I don't, it was just a crazy, crazy thing. But like, that's probably the time in my life when worship has legitimately been like a weapon where like, like I cannot explain to you, like it was like fear filled my car and to be like, no, God wins. Like I legit just got done like declaring this for two hours. Like, no, I'm not going to stop declaring this now. Like God won. That's it. This is what he says. End of story. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's really good, Laura. That's like, that's legit. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like that's, I mean, that's a place that we should find ourselves probably not every day. Like how exhausting would that be? Yeah, that would not be good. But like in our time, like where we feel like we're, we're at the bottom, like I'm with you. That should be the time that we're crying out. Like the Bible's full of that. And like, we just think that that's like an old fashioned way to do things. Like you'd tear your shirt and sit on ashes and scream out to God. But I feel like there's something there. Like, I don't know if I'm going to tear my shirt or sit in ashes, but I do know for Wouldn't sure. Recommend it. Right. And so, but I, I, I love this idea of screaming out. Like that's like primal again. Like, I feel like that's, you know, that puts me, on the same plane as Elisha or Job or, you know what I mean? Like, the, I mean, this is where they were at. And if my heroes do it, like, why would I not do it? Why would I think that I could just swallow it and just keep it down? You know, this fear, or this frustration or this anxiety, like to think that I could just keep it down and swallow it. Like, I don't think that that's what we we're meant to do that. We were meant to like weaponize it, weaponize our faith. Right. And I like, we don't, do that because it's fun. Like we yeah. do that because God won and yeah. like, like it is done. And right. so we can, we have to push ourselves. I, I, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily like, I didn't feel like it was for God. I felt like it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> like I had yep. to convince myself and remind myself, like, this is what God says. And that's it. Yeah. Like, that's it. It it doesn't matter. Like we don't know anything about COVID in March 2020, but like, yeah, doesn't matter to God. Like right. this is what God said. So that's it. 
last night at church, we, um, downtown, uh, there's a couple that go there with their older kids and they own a restaurant downtown and they've, I mean, they made it through COVID. I don't know how, but they made it through COVID. They live, I think they live upstairs and then the restaurant is downstairs. Anyway, she came in and she was just a wreck. And so she said, I, we need help with the restaurant. I thought that they meant like they need help. I don't know, cleaning the windows or something like that. And she was like, I'm convinced that there are evil spirits in that place and they are keeping us down both as a family and as a business. And so we just turned up the worship music super mm -hmm. loud and we walked out. And so <clears throat> I was like, Hey, what if a bunch of us just went over there after church tonight and we just prayed for the space. And I've never, ever done that in my life. Like I've never, ever like, like I'm not Johnny exorcist. I'm not Johnny, you know, like, I, like it's just not my bag, but like, I mean, that's my church. These are my people, you know? And if she feels like there's evil spirits in her place, like, all right. Like I've got every reason to believe her. She's loyal. She's sane. She's, you know? So I said, if you can just meet us over there and I get there and, and I'm like parked by myself and I'm walking down the street and thinking, I'm just going to show up by myself and just pray with this couple. But like 20 people from church were there. And so we like put our hands on the building and we just prayed. We just prayed like, Hey, like you said, this is how it works. Like, I don't know that this is how it works. Like, but I'm going to trust you because you know what you're talking about. And so mm -hmm. like your apostles and your son, they all cast out demons. They all prayed, you know? And so I, we prayed it. We prayed, we bind the spirits and we, you know, surround our friends with a hedge of protection and grace. And like, it was a powerful thing, right? To say those words mm -hmm. out loud. Like it's just, it's, it's not like it's a, you know, it's not like it's Harry Potter where you're like, you know, casting a spell or something, but it was just like, as a community, we said, you know, in God's name, we're standing with our friends and, you know, right. if this is, if the devil has something going at work here, know that these 20 people, we're not going to stand for it. And so I don't know that we marched around and blew horns or anything, but like, I feel like it was kind of like a little Jericho moment for us. And I thought that was really great. And so like you say, getting those things outside of our head, weaponizing our faith sometimes, I feel like that's important and we need to do that. I mean, the Bible makes it clear that we're in a battle. Right. Like it, it's over and over again. Yeah. So God yeah. gives us tools to fight in his, his word. And, you know, we, we build ourselves up in our faith so that we can go and do that. I mean, if, if I didn't have those scriptures in the back of my head, there would have been no, like it, it wouldn't have made a difference if I just sat in my car and said, I won't be afraid. I won't be afraid. I won't right. be afraid. I won't be afraid. Like that's, it's not gonna, maybe it'll work for five minutes, but yeah. like, like in the end, God's word doesn't return void. Right. And, right. and that's another promise he makes us like that's his covenant. Right. And I mean, again, like think about those people walking around Jericho, like literally having to stare at this Ark of the Covenant and not the wall. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we have to, we have to do that too. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Hey, thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. That was a good show. You did fantastic. Oh, thank Laura's you. Laura's like, I've never done this before. I don't even know what's going to happen. Microphones it's are scary. scary. But it was perfect. You did great. Listen, if you enjoyed this uh, episode of Two and That, we'd love it if you would uh, rate or review it on your favorite podcast channel. Um, also, if you... Um, have a friend that you feel like might benefit from these words, we welcome you to share them with them on social media. Just find the share link in your podcasting app and, um, and just uh, share it. We, uh, like I said, we thank you for being around. We love your support. We love that uh, you're part of it. You can also subscribe to the podcast and any one of your favorite podcast platforms as well. 
Laura Stewart, thanks for being here today. Hope you can come back and do it again sometime. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. thank you. Super smart. So I'm not saying I'm surprised that you're smart. I'm just glad that you were because I'm not <laughs> that smart. So it was nice to have someone that's smarter than me. Anyway, my name is Scott. That was Laura. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you next time. 